to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that analyzes your favorite horror movies while also making fun of them so you can rewatch them and be like, haha, those hot girls are smart and right. I can totally get through this without crying. <laughs> we are those hot girls. <laughs> uh, I'm Mary. I'm Mary Kay. <laughs> and with us today is um, Mary Kay's friend. Rachel, because everyone Mary Kay introduces me to is the best person I've ever met. <laughs> Rachel, welcome. Hadley doodly. Rachel, tell us about yourself. Uh, my name's Rachel. I live in Boston. I knew Mary Kay from back in the South, where you won't catch me back there again anytime soon. <laughs> but you we went, went to Boston. To school together. Yeah. Boston's oh. scary. Oh, it is. Sounds <laughs> like it's... I was just in Salem on Saturday, just... Popping around, Ooh. looking around. Well, that all the sounds better. Has some, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's good. Rachel went to good. Salem with me when I was researching my book. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And she has Ooh. a Black Phillip goblet from which she is drinking right now. <laughs> it is the scariest yeah. thing I've ever Again, seen. Again, it's Bapamet. <laughs> but I do Sorry. love that you call it Black Phillip because I do. it's so much more affectionate. <laughs> yeah. It, it's makes, like... it makes it so less... Um, I don't it's know. Like name more, dropping. Like, so- it's name dropping. It's name dropping. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you call him Bob, but that's my boy, so he's Black Philip. Yeah, it's like when some like, people, people like, really oh, know, you know him. the Lord, your Savior, and like, oh no, that's my boy Jesus. <laughs> right, but that's my boy Bob. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. Just for context here, so like, so we're clear on everyone's personal brand. Mary Kay is drinking rosé from a crystal champagne glass. I had a rough Rachel- week, you guys. <laughs> Rachel is drinking. What are you drinking, girl? Malbec from a box. Out of from a box Malbec from a Bapomet goblet. It's like black and ornately carved. It's incredible. I am drinking boxed red wine blend described as big, dark, and jammy. That's what's up. You got to get the one that describes your from, personality. From a plastic cup with a little gold rim that my mother gave me so I wouldn't break her glasses by the pool. <laughs> I imagine the wine you're drinking kind of smells like that Victoria's Secret perfume that was really big in like the early 2000s and it was like really juicy. I think that's what yeah. it's mm. actually called, juicy. Oh god, no. If it t- if it smelled like that, I couldn't get it. I couldn't choke it down. Yeah. I don't like sweet. We're going to have to take selfies and then post them on Instagram so people can be like, "What did they drink when they talked about hereditary?" And we can just be all the way across the board. Broop. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's what we are talking about today. Ari Aster's directorial debut, because like, oh, fuck me, like, what am I doing with my life? That's your directorial, fine, that's your debut, <laughs> fine, fine. The sensation, hereditary, everyone's scariest movie ever. If you haven't seen it, do be advised, it's not the kind of thing you're going to want spoiled for you, so go watch it. It's not very long. I mean, you probably won't get through it in a sitting, because you weren't expecting to watch it right now, and you're going to be like, oh god. What was I thinking? It'll be fine. It, you, can, you can check I, it out later. It is so scary that I could not believe you chose it, Mary. Mary is the one who always wants to pick like gremlins or something like very low stakes. <laughs> this is this shit is horrifying. I stand by my conviction that we would do a bomb ass episode about gremlins. I think that episode would be good. One time I hallucinated a gremlin. Did I tell you about this? 
feel yeah, like you have. Okay. Is this yeah. sleep paralysis or did you... No, I was you... walking down the road and it was like becoming nighttime and there was like a group of pipes with the meter that had the shape of a gremlin and I just saw it out of the corner of my eye and I was like, I had to tell the person I was walking with, I was like, I gotta tell you about this thing I just hallucinated. I know it's not real, but I need to say it out loud. <laughs> it was like a gremlin <laughs> shape over in the corner. Oh my God. Yeah, you've been warned. It can be spoiled. Um, my taste is jacked. You, you're aware of all the things. Um, but if you have seen it, or if you know you're just never going to because it's too scary, which would have been me a year ago, um, cool, hang in there, we're gonna have fun. Um, to start us off, we're going to discuss what could be the most horrific event to occur at a high school party besides a familial beheading, because now that's been done. So what would be the most (laughs) upsetting possible thing to happen at a party while you're in high school? Um. Remember, we're keeping it funny, and we're keeping it sexy, guys. Don't, like, go straight to some... Upsetting. Some dark, not, dark not, shit. No, no, no. We're, the rest of the movie is real, real dark. This is supposed right. to be the fun part, right? The most horrific like, thing that can happen at a high school party besides a female like, beheading. Got it. Got it. I got like, one. Go. Um, we usually make the guests go first, but if you're feeling hot, let's take it. Oh, Rachel, are you ready? I would think the most horrific thing to happen at a high school party is like the guest is like trapping you in so he can just talk to you about jesus and, and oh my to God. me that is the most horrific like how uncomfortable everyone's there they thought they were gonna like drink for the first time and it's like no we're gonna talk about our most intimate one of the most intimate conversations you can have with a stranger and we're all doing it now and the doors are locked and you're not leaving until we're singing amazing grace <laughs> It's the ludicrousness episode of 30 Rock. Yes, that's so true. I actually thought of, when you said that, I thought of the episode of Broad City where they go to Trey's party and he wants to watch DVDs of The Apprentice and do Trust Falls. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like any kind of party that you can't leave, right, is the worst because you can't like just Irish exit. Um. Which is the way I le- I think that's the most considerate way to leave a party because otherwise you have to like interrupt everyone's fun to say bye and all that. But um, most horrific event to occur at a high school party besides a familial beheading is you all go skinny dipping and then the teachers and or parents show up and then they're also skinny dipping. Oh my god, that's the worst. <laughs> Oh god. That like took that. I wish I could have taken <laughs> I wish I could have taken a picture of Rachel's reaction. That was excellent. <laughs> I couldn't see Rachel's reaction. I immediately had to put my head down on my head. Mary put her head down and Rachel looked all the way up to the ceiling joint behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Rachel's holding out a barf. <laughs> She's got her hand up. <laughs> well, cause like just the dynamic of that, like you're like your dad was there and also skinny dipping and was probably trying to like get it in with your mom and he sees that you and your teenage and you were probably trying to get it in with bobby from english class and (laughs) god damn i will say it would have mortified me but now i have a dream for myself as a parent (laughs) exactly what kind of parent i'm going to create a monster yep and then I will create a monster, and then I will be a monster. It's perfect. It's perfect. 
Oh my god. Okay, so I was going to go a different direction with it, but I actually, that brought up to me something that did happen to me in high school, which is that my mother came to a dance to drop me off, and then she stayed chatting with a teacher that she knew, and stayed, and soon it had been like an hour or two, and then they played um, Baby Got Back. And my mother thought it was so inappropriate that she, like, made them stop and change the music. And everyone hated me. And a cute boy was going to dance with me. Like, a cute boy was a couple grades older. No, it's just any song. And then he realized that that was my mom who had done that. And he wouldn't come near me because he was afraid that she was going to cause a scene. Well, you can't judge people based on your family. Based on their families. They can't control that, as we see in this movie. Oh, it was it was a it was a grim experience. Yeah, I'm waiting for as like grim... the film score for this movie to come out. Oh God, I um the question about this movie, right? Like, there are so many questions about the nature of family, and and, and we always start in this, or we try to make it a point to start in the same place. For you, dear listeners who are surely waiting with bated breath to hear the same four fucking questions every time. Um, But first of all, is it scary? Before we discuss why it's scary or how it's scary, is it? Yeah. No? Are you shaking your head no? I was not scared. What have you done to me? Why did you bring me to this place? (laughs) Grandpa, why did you tell me this story? (laughs) Kissing stories would have been great. I would have liked that. Um... So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I guess I was, ex- I don't know what I was expecting exactly. And it, there were upsetting elements, but the stuff that upset me or the stuff that lingers with me isn't, it didn't make me feel scared while it was happening and it isn't scary to me now. And the images that were frightening were no more frightening than anything else. I found the witch much more scary than this or vitch yeah. or however I'm supposed to be saying that. That to me was scarier. Um what else I think do we they're say the same scary? brand of scary, though, because it's talking about your soul and what your family has to do with it. I agree. I just think that the the execution, yeah, for me and 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 what's crazy is that I knew what was going to happen when I saw the bitch because you had given me that whole right. synopsis of it. But um, the, back it's when built I so well. To watch horror movies. It's really yeah. beautifully structured. This, I think um, I think the difference is like the witch has more elements of terror of like what's going to happen, and this mm. movie has more elements of horror, which is like what the fuck just happened. And I think terror is more yeah. effective on me, but this one was also really disturbing. Right. Later, like I had nightmares about this months after I watched it. Right when I and threw I'm something in the know... fire, and then someone I love set on fire. <laughs> right. Um, I'd be interested to to know in a couple months um, if I rewatch this in a year if I feel differently. But since you two agree that it is scary, it's it's not that I didn't think it was a great movie. It's just that wasn't the word I felt when I walked out. Like if I had no idea, if it hadn't been marketed to me, if I just watched it, then walked out and someone was like, "Was it scary?" I would have been like, mm, "Didn't like the part where she was on a ceiling." <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I don't like that at all, but um, no, I wasn't like, like sitting there scared. It's like that Michael Scott gif where he's like, don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So if two out of three doctors agree 
that this shit is scary. Let's talk about why. Okay. And the thing that immediately stands out to me is grief. Yeah. The horror of loss and processing loss. And so Aster always has, he still sees this as a, as a family drama. This is a, Oh yeah. This is a story about a family. And in fact, I have heard, and if, you know, it's not true, then I know who to smack, but um, that he wrote a family drama, then realized he could market horror better, like he knew where to, how, where to go and how to get it made better, and basically built all that into Genius. It's fucking right genius. Now. Pimp that system, dude. Mm. I think it is evident. I think that that is, that is something you can see in the structure. Um, but yeah, that's... To me, it is a really successful family drama. Yeah. A possibly successful horror movie. I also think that it could be like a ghost story. Mm -hmm. uh, because as soon oh. as the mom dies, she sees her in the corner. And she's like, right. obviously, that you know, she's like, this is a trick of the mind. Turns on the lights. She's gone. Turns out the lights and leaves. And we stay mm -hmm. in the room for a second, you know. And I just don't like Wait, that what do you mean when she leaves us. the first time? Like, we don't follow her out of the workshop where she sees her mom in the corner. We just stay mm. in there for a second, and then we go to their room where she's like, oh, I just freaked myself out yeah, in the workshop. Yeah, and then she's in the bedroom. Yeah, and her... Okay, also, her husband is the real MVP. He is the fucking champion. He holds that family together. Just across the board, it's him. Steve, Steve, Steve. Steve, 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 Steve. Yes, he is the best. This is... After he gets the call from the funeral home saying the grave has been desecrated. Yeah. And I feel like that right. is a really good, it's very subtle. Like, I'm not sure I noticed that the first time I watched it. But he goes, he walks into the hall and he goes, what do you mean desecrated? And at that point I was like, fucking, this is not a ghost story. Fucking, yeah. I don't know what is about to happen. And it spooked me so bad. And then mm. he gets the insurance claim seeing the empty grave later. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, oh, huh. and how professionally like it, it was done. Like that clean cut. Lie. Like it would look like a lie. company came in and did it for profit. Yeah. Not going to lie. When that man like realized what the call was about and left the room. So she didn't hear it. And hand like, and he said, what do you mean desecrated? I was like, oh, oh, that's a man. That, Hello. that right there is the man. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah take love care that. of us yes, <laughs> take care. yes take care of us love that um yeah so there's that there's um steve being like the champion and i was really fascinated while we were talking about grief a second ago when they go where when annie just kind of like plops down in the circle and she's like well i'm not sure if i want to okay here's the story and she gives us like this huge family history of se severe serious mental illness like bombshell. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like she just says it so casually i mean she's affected by it but everyone in the circle is like wow like this is a real problem like a well, also, cascading failures problem yeah what stood out to me immediately was there are all these little markers in the story of it the distancing from all of that, like from Annie, between Annie and, and, and these other, these other people in her life and their conditions. So things like, um, she, she ends this whole incredibly upsetting and, and hurtful, hurtful story 
in the context of which she explains that she didn't even want her mother near her children. Right. And we find out why, like, with good reason. Right. And ends it by saying, so that was her life. Not that's my life. Not that's my family's life. All of this was about her mother. (laughs) And not about Annie. Or not about her family now. Like, her family. Can you guys Um, hear me? And I just, we're going to talk more specifically about these characters, but I don't know if or how this movie works without an actor of Tony Collette's caliber. Dude. Yes. In this role. I would not be surprised if acting student after acting student uses that monologue and tries Mm -hmm. to make it work. And I would not be surprised if it is a dismal failure over and over because it is so challenging because what's happening there is both this information, this epic information dump. Yeah, we as convention is established like right away. Yeah. It is it's it's exposition, but it also establishes so much about her relationships. It establishes so much about Mm -hmm. her and how she is choosing to to cope. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a beautiful scene, and I wouldn't have thought it possible to convey that much information that quickly in a way that feels that thoroughly earned. Yeah. And so early in the movie. Yeah. Beautifully done. Like, I, I'm really excited for this, for, for Ari Aster's career going forward. I'm really yeah. excited to see what... I just, I, I'm, I'm really excited about so much of the writing and so much of the direction of this movie. Um, whatever I may feel about structure element, structural elements or was it scary or not, visually it's gorgeous. Yeah. The sound is gorgeous. It's really compelling. Like, I was into it the whole time. Yeah, that scene alone, I just... <sighs> and going back to what Mary Kay was saying about, like, with it being... with. The point of it being scary, and I think Mary Kay said something that really struck a chord with me, um, the trick of the mind. Because at the end of the day, this movie to me was so terrifying because with everything that would happen, I would always question, did that really fucking happen? Yeah. Like with that scene with her seeing her mother, Ellen, in the room, was that like a trick of the light? Was it just her coping or did she really see her? And then I feel like, right. and I'll talk a little bit about this later. I think maybe it's just like the, the perspective of like, there's this constant battle between, because she talked about during that monologue, the, the, um, some, I know you guys are going to go into it, like the mental illness, but there's always this like, take us there. Yeah. Is it, are, is this actually happening or is this just all a trick of the mind? Like sometimes when, Peter, who is also coping, um, he would mm-hmm. hear the clucks. Like, is it happening? Right. Or so, the entire movie, the entire movie, I'm questioning everything, even from like mm-hmm. literally the first shot of the movie, because the the because you start with the dollhouse, you, you right. start with the dollhouse, yeah. and then he's inside the dollhouse, the dollhouse, which is Peter's room, and that's mm-hmm. where it starts. And the dad comes in and says. Peter, wake up. You know, did your sister sleep in her bed last night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, from the very jump, I'm like, I can't take this at face value. And to me, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, what is actually happening? Yeah. 
Yeah, so you have like the element of paranoia. Um, you have the ghost story level. It brings into question like that relationship yeah. too between mental illness and and uh, free will. Yes. Yeah. And especially when you know where your mental illness came from. Right. Like it's not just the thing in your brain. It was the thing in your parents' brain that mm. they then chose to biologically make sure you were in a good position to receive. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Sucks to be you. Um, so how much of what happens here is anyone's option or anyone's freedom of choice. Like how much of it could have been prevented? How much of it could have well, I think most of it is the grandmother's deal. Mm-hmm. So, like, if she's saying, like, I'm the grand witch or whatever, which I think we're supposed to believe based on, like, the scrapbooks that Annie finds, yeah. um, she's in charge. And then as soon as she dies, right, like, they use her body to convey that, or not convey, but, uh, like, channel that power into yeah. her next of kin. So Annie is not willing, right? Charlie is who we're led to believe is supposed to receive it because she's like, you were grandma's favorite and she wouldn't even let you me feed you. She had to feed you, which we're immediately taught like in the next scene means that no, her grandmother tried to nurse her. Yeah. With the little miniatures with her With the miniatures. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a really good element of storytelling because it's so upsetting. Like it's, yeah. it's a, it's violating and it's also like. Wow, no wonder you didn't want to be near her. Like that Yeah, like why what oh yeah, yeah. What possesses that's, that's someone to make like, Yeah. Yeah. How do, how are you gonna do that? Could you do that? Are we concerned about the fact that you could do that? We should be concerned about the fact that you could do that, right? Yeah. And so we but think the, that child clearly did not starve. So if your grandmother could nurse you, what the hell was just happening? Right. Yes. So we have like we're set up to think that Charlie is going to inherit this uh, royal whatever legacy, but she is actually the sacrificial pawn to make Peter vulnerable so that that deity can get into him. I thought she did hold payment. Did she? And then because she died. Tell us why, um, how Charlie had payment. I thought she always did. That's oh. why her behavior, her behavior was so strange. That's why I never understood was why her. she was so weird. Wait, can we yeah. back up? What What do you mean by she has payment? Like she is like payment is inhabiting her. This, the this deity, human, the deity, yeah, is is it has always been in her. Um, she wasn't around when the son was born. So grandma, mm-hmm. aunt, uh, what is her name? Not uh, oh jeez, Ellen. Ellen, thank you. Couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't like use his body to like. To, for for payment yeah, to cause... inhabit, but when Charlie is born, she can, oh. and so that's why Charlie's behavior is so strange. That's what the clucking is, and hence, after they've all died, and he's the only thing left, and he's completely broken, and does receive payment, he starts making the clucking noise. Um, that makes so much strange, sense. Strange relationship to the birds, um, right? And that's what sets. That's why. So her ultimately. Ellen's death sets the wheels in motion in terms of putting this family in such a vulnerable place. Yeah. But it's then Charlie's death that really takes the wheels off the thing and, and unhinges everybody to the point that Payman can basically race from vulnerable party to vulnerable party and land where he wanted to be in the first place. But my question is, like, where yeah. where does it 
where does it all begin? Because when you said like it started with Charlie, it was Charlie was always being inhabited. Mm. But when when Annie gives that monologue and she reveals, well, there were others who her brother and her father, her father from depression, right? And then she tried to put him in her brother. Yeah, and then her. I think she did put him in her brother, and her brother, for some reason, or like for some reason, her brother. Or it's also, I, I've well, thought about this possibility, said, too. Said, fucking nah yeah. There's, like, a double, kind of a double-layered thing that maybe the mental illness does run in her family, and that her brother was both sick and possessed, and that in some way that gave him the split. Like, she she described her mother as having dissociative identity disorder, so that she there there is this split, and that her brother might actually, because of the illness, have been able to recognize. Well, her or, brother's name was Charles. outside of it. Right, and they named Charlie after him, yeah. And that's why I always thought, when I watched this movie the second time, I'm like, who are they put, where does this begin? Like, did they put, like, Charles into Charlie? And that's why she wanted mm-hmm. to, like, nurse her and wish that she was, a, you know what I mean? I, like, at what point, like, who's being put into who and how really far back does this go? really makes you put all of your own family bullshit in perspective. <laughs> Right. Like, you know, I mean, I'm living with my parents right now, and they are wonderful people, and they are very good to me, and I'm incredibly grateful. And every time... Oh, I've been leaning on my parents real hard, and they've been real sweet about it. Very generous, so... (laughs) Yeah, and then you have a moment where, like, you want to be sassy, and then you remember that nobody decapitated you and stuck you in a (laughs) treehouse for, like, for their party life. Like, it's not any part of their, like, not raving around your corpse. Yeah, no one was sending demons into you. No. Like, oh, my God. Not on, not on purpose. Yeah, not on purpose. I I do feel like, um, and not that we need a whole lot of, like, metaphorical significance in this movie, because just at face value, it's very scary to me. But um, the concept of royalty uh, in general is a little bit overwhelming. But when it's like, you are the Dark Lord... And you must be evil and instill evil in everyone else. Like, uh, that's not something that I want. And I wouldn't no. be able to say no. Yeah. It looks kind of cool on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> no, that that show is fucking scary, too. I tried to watch it, and I was like, this is different. <laughs> Ooh. <that's> scary. <laughs> they Wait, did my rap. Mary. Yeah. They did Mary's rap. But they did. They sang it. She sang it. The worms go in, the worms go out, and I was like, "That's not how it goes." But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys don't know that, you got to listen to our scary stories to tell in the dark part two episode, where Mary does an amazing rap. It's pretty awesome. I did not do it on purpose. So if you hate it, I I was possessed in the. I was possessed. Um, so did this movie remind y'all a lot of Rosemary's Baby? Like, a lot? Um, only all of a sudden at the very end. Yeah, that's what I mean, like, the concept that's finalized at the end. Rosemary's Baby plants the seeds all along, and I felt like in this movie, it was like, ooh, scary, oh, families, oh, man, what they're really gonna be torn apart by is their grief, and the way it affects them psychologically. Oh, no, there's a real demon, never mind. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay. Okay, this is a weird fifth act. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it all worked. I'm not sure it all tied in well enough. Okay. Um, but yes, yes, 
very much. The, the Those last, like, ten minutes of the movie. I thought about it a lot. Also, can we just for a second be like, Anne Dowd, you're a national treasure. National oh treasure. Oh, my God, She's yes. amazing. What a queen. What, Ooh. A, what a queen. What a magnificent. For real. Magnificent Man, she does everything right. Always. All the time, always. Okay, so that's all I had to say about Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> and... I have to confess, I uh, haven't seen Rosemary's Baby in like 10 years. I don't remember. Well, Roman it's Polanski scary too. sucks, so watch it somewhere for free. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Yeah. That's that's what we did. We are all just little criminals. <laughs> baby criminals, but not uh, baby criminals in the particular not way Roman Polanski, Polanski is. Hey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> word wordplay, but just, I, I couldn't even laugh at it once I said it. It's terrible. Um. Also, I just want to throw out there that while we're talking about some of these uh, great performances, Alex Wolf um is weirdly related this is to Peter. Mm-hmm, my my oh, husband okay. playing the Rock Johnson. Because he plays, he plays the avatar, or he plays the kid that is in Dwayne the Rock Johnson's body in the new Jumanji movie. Oh, yeah, that that kid is awesome. I feel like the casting in this movie all around was great. Yes, really. But the moment when he like was he like came back from being possessed and slamming his own face in the desk, and he was just screaming, "Oh my god!" Yeah. You know what killed me was him in the car after he... Uh, yep, that's what I was going to say. And he just drove he away. After realized what happened, and then he just kept driving. And I was like, I don't... You know, what else do you... I, I, I don't know how... What else could you do? I can't imagine finding my daughter's decapitated corpse in the car. But at the same time, I don't know how you could be mad at him for leaving it. There. Like, I... Oh, God, I just can't even imagine. Which brings us to another kind of set of related ideas, which are secrets and guilt guilt about the secrets or guilt about sometimes it's not even about a secret as in the case of leaving your decapitated sister in a car um but even then like there's that there's that idea of because he he got out the car and he goes to bed and you see that he's like still awake and he just and he's just waiting to hear her go downstairs and that's where, yeah. where that sound, you hear her go down until she screams. Screaming. It's like, is this really happening? Like, he can't face to, like, really, uh, to understand, like, what is really happening. It's just, like, that difference of, like, uh, I don't know, like, perspective of reality that we keep seeing yeah. in this movie that really just kind of fucks me up. It's denial. Yes. It's, it's starting out with some good old-fashioned, if I just don't. Deal with it. Don't address yep. it. Don't think about it. Pretend it's not happening. And hope that it just didn't happen. And she goes downstairs and she doesn't find my dead sister in the car. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, so Annie brings up her mother's secrets at the funeral, that she was a woman who had a secret life. Yeah, that eulogy is real honest. It is rough. Like, I was like, wow. See, this is why having kids is scary, man. You don't know what you're going to do. It's all messed up. They got to get up there and I be know. like. I know. I blamed Annie originally. I was like, you're a bad daughter. And then we get the whole story and it's like, nope, you were right to 
get rid of everyone in your family. And I feel like that is often the case, right? When like children stop interacting with their toxic parents, it's like, well, you're a bad son or daughter, but it's not, it's, it's sometimes that way. But I feel like in the case with my friends, if they don't talk to one of their parents, they have a damn good reason. And then also she says, um, talking about the secrets and she says, I am surprised to see all of you. Like, I like didn't know she had this many friends and it's like the entire room they're all like in their head like oh, well, we know why and you don't <laughs> yeah you haven't been coming to our naked witchcraft parties <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> oh, also man. naked with witchcraft parties is going to be the name of my second album can you even do witchcraft without Shit, that's gonna be the theme on? for my next halloween party naked <laughs> <witchcraft> party <laughs> can i i would come to boston i would actually go to boston for the first time in my life for i'll pay like half i'll pay for like half your ticket if you come and we'll do it oh my god yes 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 oh my god i won't even have to think of a cool costume (laughs) (laughs) we'll go to salem we'll go to the witch museum in salem what if the theme were to dress as a different naked witch in history (laughs) That's hilarious and terrifying and hilarious. Also, did you guys know that for Dragon Con, I was really trying to work up the nerve to do the Anaxuna Moon body painting from the original Mummy? Oh, man. That would have been so dope. So I still have hopes that I can maintain this heartbreak fast long enough to look good enough to paint up like that for the next Dragon Con. When is it? When is it? In October. Okay, okay. I think, or September. I don't know. Would but... you like me to shave my head and wear a robe and come as... Uh, yes, please. As your, as your, as your lover. Emotep! I'll just chant your name the whole time. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then eventually impale myself on a sword when oh, I feel like you're going to die. Yeah. Our couple's costume has taken a turn. <laughs> Look, this is what happens in the prequel. I mean, not in the prequel, but in the exposition delivered by the love of my life. Oh, dead fair. So I mean, no. Or Art of I, Bay is the character's name. Anyway. I remember. Don't you worry. I remember. I Look, I love him. And then I looked him up the other day and I was like, it's fine. Like, my taste is fine. <laughs> it's holding up nicely. It's holding up fine. So anyway, secrets. I wanted to talk about the paranoia aspect of, the, of that because... Like, Annie trusts herself, and then she doesn't, and then Joni shows her uh, the seance, and she's, like, so desperate, right? And we saw this in the invitation, too, where it's, like, if someone is grieving, they're their most vulnerable. Mm. And so she realizes, though, later, that in doing that seance, it's not Charlie that she brought back. Yeah. Like she said, I did something. I unlocked something. And bitches, this is why we don't fucks with the occult. Because you Megan. can't tell. Hi, Megan. Megan. Are you listening, Megan? Also, hi, Ender. It's your favorite auntie. Nice to nice to talk to you. Don't listen to any of the bad stuff I said. Only the good stuff. And tell your mother to stop fucking with those Ouija boards. <laughs> For real. Do not fucks with the occult because you can't tell what you're doing. Anyway, she tricks, she she gets tricked and then she's like, we have to undo it. I have to undo it. I It set me on fire earlier. But it's, so you have to do it because I can't do it. 
and then it falls on him instead. And oh my god, Tony Collette, what a treasure! Also, because mm-hmm. when he sets on fire, her face and it's lit by the fire just like it was in her nightmare. And also about paranoia. So she says, "I need you to go up into the attic and see what I saw." I fully expected for him to go up there and there to be nothing there. Same, but. I love it when it doesn't do that. Like, he pulls it down and flies just come out automatically. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, it's that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and The Witch does that too, right? Where, the you know, when you go into watching The Witch, which if you guys haven't, you should. And then go listen to our episode on that. It's one of our best ones. I um, love it. Yeah. Um, it's like you expect there to be no witch. Because yeah. of revisionist history right like well they thought there was witches but we know that there wasn't and then their their motherfucking was yeah those ignorant assholes wait (laughs) but the way that he pulled it around like he immediately and i feel like there's a like a lot of blame like the blame game in this movie is incredible yeah immediately he's like you've been so unhinged it was you who did this it was you and after this i'm done yeah, like that, that just like that different perspective. But also, even even in that moment, what he says is not like, fuck you, you're you're terrible or crazy. He says, I'm not enabling this anymore. Yeah, right. 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 And I was just like, God, be still my dumb, dumb. Heart. <laughs> what a great man, you know? Yeah. Like, he never like, entertains like abandoning the family like most men would, you know? And I'm overgeneralizing. Just let me have this right now. I will let you have this right now. Absolutely. Thank you. But I feel like, and this is part of the flaw of our culture, right? Where it's like generations past, it would be like, no, don't give that up. Fight for that. And now it's like, yeah, if you're unhappy, you shouldn't be there. Right. Also, another scary thing, the emails that Annie gets being like, hi, how are you doing? How's the project coming? Or it's, like, very subtextual of, like, do this shit or we're not going to pay you. Yeah. Subtext response, did you know that my mother and daughter just died? Rapid fire. (laughs) Because I'll tell you, like, I just smashed every fucking thing that I own. (laughs) Because it was freaking me out. Because there's something going on with these miniatures that I don't Oh, the miniatures. My family is dead. The demons are everywhere. Please don't leave me voicemails. No, I didn't finish this piece of art. <laughs> no, no. My <laughs> no, family's dead. The demons it. are everywhere. Please don't leave me voicemails. It's the last thing I can handle right now. Ask her my, my last email. Text me that shit because I don't check voicemail anyway. No kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. My voicemail box has been full for 10 years, so. Yeah. Yeah, voicemails are about like. I overfilled my wine glass. and It's fine. Nope. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Um, so I think voicemail is really the purview of two camps. One, you leave a voicemail for your older relatives that you know will prefer that. Right. Two, you leave a voicemail when you're like profoundly infatuated with someone because you want them to leave you voicemail so that you can listen to the voicemail 75 times and never like a fucking mess. Because, yeah. you know, when you're a fucking mess, that seems fun. And yeah, those are the only two reasons to leave one. Like... This is your grandmother or you're trying to bone them? Yeah, those two. And then I also feel like if you're driving, it's okay. 
Because you that can't text to follow up. Um, that is true. When you need to talk to your landlord, but you're you're too afraid to talk to him in real time because it's probably bad news. Yeah, got it. Because <laughs> that's what Perfect. I did today. Also, if uh, I like to make people leave voicemails professionally, so then it's like I don't have it in writing, but I have it that you said it. Oh, oh that's smart. Well, yeah, I I think voicemail has just it's changed so much, like how we use it, what it is. Also, do you know who that voice is on the voicemail? Who? It's Ari Aster. It's the director. Oh. No way. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it, I when they, it when I love when directors have like little Easter eggs of themselves. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Just just a fun, fun little, fun little anecdote. <laughs> just a nice thought. Um, we've talked about guilt and secrets and... It's clear that Annie is struggling um, with guilt about her relationship with her mother. She's struggling about guilt with allowing her mother back into her life. Peter calls her out for her guilt about encouraging Charlie to go to that party. I think the, yeah. that that scene, that scene for me, that dinner scene, was the most upsetting scene in the entire movie. Yep. Um, because they can't solve any of that. Like, maybe a demon can be, like... Um, exercised maybe the demon isn't real if they have mental health issues they can seek treatment for this mm-hmm. and will therapy help with their grief and their guilt yes but in this exact moment the amount of damage they can do yeah to themselves and each other yeah you can't unsay that kind of stuff exactly all the even if the you world- accept an apology it's like yeah, it becomes now not just yeah. not just working through the grief itself, not just working through the guilt itself, but then working through what the guilt made you do to each other. Oh yeah. my god! Oh my god! We do I... fucked up shit when we are hurting. We do shit that it sometimes takes days, weeks, years to process. Like yeah. that, you really did that, and what you really meant when you did it, and how sincere you were or weren't because that's the thing a lot of the stuff is not stuff we mean annie and peter love each other very much and i think that's part of what yeah but sometimes you mean it and just wish you hadn't said it aloud exactly and that's what makes those final few moments of the movie so hard i think is that they peter comes to realize but at the very last possible moment that she did just how much she did love him um, and how much she sacrificed for him and how hard she worked to love him and keep him safe his whole life but the last, you know, month of their lives was just abject horror and hurt. Um, and I, it's when they're saying this stuff to each other across the dinner table, the problem isn't that they're lying or just trying to be hurtful. The part of them, it's that they they believe it. They mean it. And while they're doing this scary-ass hurtful thing, they they do know what they're doing and they do mean it. It's just that in a year or five or ten if you were to ask them if they feel that way or if they ever felt that way, it, they might not even really be able to remember what it felt like to feel that. They may not even be able to fully recall that. They would say, oh, I said it. But but really the overarching theme is I love this person. I would never do that. Um, and I really like how Steve can see it spiraling. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm stopping this right now. Stop it right now. Yeah. Stop. Stop it right now. I love yeah. that. And even even though he also lost a daughter. Yeah. 
the you know, like he's still level headed. He still level-headed. stays in such control. The moral yeah. of this episode is get you a Steve. She it. But also, what get I think is really if you're a Steve, about... get at us. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. We need yes. somebody to hold it down. Okay, all right. Everything trying to kill you at gmail.com. Don't leave us a voicemail. We want to answer. You can send, you can email, you can text, you can call, you can leave a voicemail even. I mean, who cares if you're a Steve? I mean, come on. <laughs> if you're a Steve, we bet you do leave voicemails, but we also bet they're nice to listen to. So go ahead. He sends a follow-up email. You know he does. Oh, yeah. Well, you got and he to. he won't double down. Yeah. I just feel like Steve has all the etiquette. He is level-headed. It's kind of like they say in the office, right? Where it's like, if the ship is going down, like, one parent has to distract the kids and the other one has to figure out what to do next. (laughs) And Steve is doing both until he catches on fire. And even then, it was like, you are sacrificing yourself for your family. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I want to talk about other horrific stuff sure. aside from, you know, people catching on fire and burning to death. Before sure. more body horror, can we real quick before we leave this scene because one thing that I found really interesting about Annie from the very beginning is that she says when she talks about who her mother is, and then immediately she shows to be exactly what she said her mother was. Like, nothing was her fault. She blamed everybody else. Like, she's she did, like, a, wow. she did like a miniature of her daughter's gruesome death scene. Yeah. And when confronted, she goes, what? It's a neutral view of the accident. Like, bitch, you're crazy, right. first of all. And then she, she tells Joan, Joni, all about how her relationship with Peter is all Peter's fault because Peter is always the one picking a fight. But at the dinner scene, we see... Well, he's like a 17-year-old kid. Of course he's picking a fight. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. But at the scene, he literally keeps his head down and stays quiet while she's the one. She says that he was scowling at her. But if you watch the scene... Every time he says something or the father says something to him, she makes a face. She says something mean under her breath. And like she picks a fight with him that gets out of control. She has some shit she wants to get off her chest. And she's just waiting for an opportunity to do it. She's ready to blame her son. I mean, I mean, it, it happened, but she's just ready to open up this whole can of worms. And I feel like he she gets in this explosive dialogue to him and yeah 17 year old kid and i feel like that was like a defense mechanism to say that back because i don't feel like they have like equal grounds of like to hurt each other this is his mother who's been wanting to say this who's been having all not even before the death of charlie she's had like a lot of shit she's wanted to say to him and put it all on his shoulders and this poor 17-year-old kid, who knows, is probably, like, at home, like, in his head, like, knowing it's partly his fault, and it's all on him all of a sudden. Like, that's the that's the child. And I feel like that's, like, it's not an even playing ground. You know what I mean? Like, she has that power. And I, I just felt like that scene, god damn. <laughs> 
Yeah, and the sleepwalking scene, too. Like, she goes into his room and dreams that she's telling him, I wish I did not want to have you. And he's like, why did you? Because he's feeling so bad about himself at that point because he had that accident with Charlie, although she was hexed because that telephone pole had that little symbol on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Mary, about the sleepwalking? So I don't know if either of you do this. I think I've discussed this before that I have some disordered sleep issues, uh, including sleep paralysis rather dramatically, and um, sleepwalking. The sleepwalking is, as far as I know, recent to my adult life. I didn't do that as a child. Um, and stress does seem to have some effect. Like, very, very high stress is more likely to trigger it. The last time I'm aware of doing it was probably, you know, two, three years ago now. Um, but what's creepy is that I could be doing it every single night. I just haven't done anything dramatic enough that other people noticed it. Or... I did it when My I was living alone. mom's sleep eats. That's why she blamed me. Like, that's how she wrote off when I was a kid eating my leftovers. That I slept, ate it. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> you just wanted my fries. Go get no, your own I... fries. I earned that. I went on that shitty date and I kept the leftovers so I could have it for tomorrow. And then I wake up and then she would have slept, ate it. Okay. I... Yeah, I don't know about that. I, um... As far as I can tell, I'm not eating anything. My food seems to stay intact. But uh, so I have a friend who um, sleepwalks. Like lemon. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> eating the cigarettes. Uh, I have a friend who sleepwalks, but he can't open doors. So as long as he like locks his bedroom door or shuts the door, he can't really go anywhere or do anything. Uh, but a few times it's happened that he was like staying somewhere with friends and he got up and he was acting kind of groggy or weird, but they didn't realize he was still asleep. And he was standing in front of a door creepily, like just staring at it. And they're like, dude, are you okay? Let me open it. They thought maybe he needed to throw up or he was like sick or something. Yeah. They opened the door. He once like woke up in a stranger's house. Thank God they did <gasps> not. Sh- thank God they did not shoot his black ass. Right. Like, are you kidding me? Um, wow. So Oh, that would be so scary to wake up in a place totally yeah, unfamiliar exactly. to you. Oh, my gosh. So so things like that. So, so I know I can open doors because the last time I'm aware of having done this, I was still living with someone. Got up in the night wearing nothing but, like, a thong and went to the front door and unlocked and opened it. And <laughs> so you remember how I used to have that uh, terrible neighbor, the Crypt Keeper? Um, yeah, you remember him. So he, uh, I was like looking around the corner, like I was watching for him. Like I was afraid he was like looking at us or like I was going to leave, but I wanted to miss, like I didn't want to see him. And, uh, the person in the room was like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? And got up and grabbed me and like walked me back to my room. And apparently I just was like, fine. And like walked back in and I, I laid back down on the bed and didn't give him any trouble. But I, he stopped me because I was about to walk out the house. In, in just your G string. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Booty, booty, booty. Yeah, rocking all the way down those three flights of stairs. Just there were like, so many stairs. So it would have been stairs. the jiggliest thing anything <laughs> A jiggly ghost. Yes, that's the best kind. Jiggly ghost. Jiggly ghost. Oh, that has to be the name of this episode, right? Like, there's nothing else. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> um, so speaking of body horror, um, the, dra- the we talked about this a little bit, but the grave desecration, 
where they find the body upstairs and Andy's like, I think it's my mom, but it doesn't have a head. That was such a disturbing line and her delivery of it was so dry. And Steve's reception of it was like, okay, I'll go look. Like, (laughs) what? Like, he didn't say that, but that was like the way that he received it was like, I'm not enabling this anymore as he pulled down the ladder or the stairs to go up into the attic. Yeah, he yeah. said something like really sarcastic too as he pulled it down, but he's still going up and enabling. He's still doing it. He Well, he believes her, you know, because he knew her mom and he knew that her mom was, I mean, I'm not trying to uh, say anything about anyone with a mental illness, but her mother is crazy and also a witch. Like, I don't know where the the spectrum of between those two is like you can be a good person and have mental illness. Her mom was not a good person. So he's like, I'm going to, I mean, it's sort of like a parent going to check the closet for monsters. Yes, exactly. I feel like that's kind of his attitude is like, okay, I'm going to look and there will be nothing in there. And then stop asking me about this. Yeah. Or you could do like in Major Pain where he shoots in the closet five times. He's like, if there's a monster in there, he ain't happy now. (laughs) Which is how I feel it should go down. But, oh, the Wayans. I would love to marry into that family. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's a movie. Remember the scary movie franchise? Yes. How could we forget it? Oh, my God. This one time when I was working at the Marriott, there was one of the – people in loss prevention, which is basically security. He didn't look like a particular weigh-ins, but he looked like a weigh-ins. You know, like he like, could have been another brother. Right. Um, I used to tell him that like every day. Like a second cousin once anyway. removed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like they, they like started like a new like uh, brand of horror. You know what I mean? Like I don't think we would have Cabin in the Woods and Dale and Tucker versus Evil if it weren't for Scary Movie. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Like, really self-aware, metacognitive sort of scary stuff. Wait, so do we want to talk about possession? Because I feel like grave desecration is fucking terrifying, and that doesn't really merit any explanation. Like, there's a dead body that's been disinterred. No, yeah, like, that's... Yeah. That's... Yeah. That's enough. Okay, so we have a... That's... Okay, cool. <laughs> so what were y'all yeah. going to say? Well, just like with the possession in that... um but I also kind of question, like when with the with sleepwalking, that's like an actual, an actual thing. Like Mary, you know, that's an actual thing. That's an actual disorder that people people live with. But in the context of this movie, I saw. I also kind of sometimes wonder: Is she kind of involuntarily doing acting out? You know, the uh, this prophecy. This you know, is she being possessed yeah. because? Like, she's horrified when she's seeing her husband go up in flames, but then how quickly her face goes blank. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. You know? I thought that was her getting possessed, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then the the way that... And then she... Yeah, considering that she then, like, proceeds to murder herself. Yes. And then... I kind of figured, like, oh, that was it. Because remember, they have to be vulnerable. Yes. They can't. They can't be, like, fully in control and she's still up until that moment like that is such an that might be the most empowered we see here in the entire movie is like you need to do this like i'm afraid if i do it what happened like i think you need to do it and what we're going to do like she is offering to die she is saying i love you you need to do this because i love you i love you so much kill me 
Like, that is brave as fuck. Um, and as Ned Stark says, it's the only time we can be brave, when we are terrified. So that shift from bold, bold, bold to, dear God, I've somehow been tricked. Somehow that didn't work. Oh, God, I actually have nothing left. I have no other ideas. I've got nothing. That was vulnerable enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. And then when um, Charlie cut off the head of the bird. Yeah, so there's a lot of birds happening in this movie. What's going on with that? Payment is a bird. But what would make this child? like? Okay, so that's why I'm thinking in the moment she's being possessed in that moment. Because why would this little girl... When she finds it, why would she have the impulse to cut off its head like that? I really thought she had been possessed her whole life. That that's yeah. she existed as a vessel for payment. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so I that sent makes some... Sense. I didn't put that together until you said it, though. I sent, I sent these texts while I was watching this. Um, let's see here. Oh, gosh, okay. So... I said, okay, white families are terrifying except for Gabriel Byrne so far. <laughs> Maybe he'll turn out to be the worst. I think I just assume all wasp families are the secretive and creepy. Yep. Then my next text was, oh, okay, little girl, just like chop up a bird. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> because I was watching it thinking exactly that. Just like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. There's also your- birds, like there's decals of birds on her door sill in Charlie's room. Mm-hmm. Mm. That I didn't notice until like the second or third viewing. Second viewing. Yeah. I didn't watch it three times. I watched it two, one and a half times because I couldn't. Like it, this one was really upsetting to me. Just but, a lot of, there were. But well yeah. done. Yeah. No, I, I mean, when she, remember when she's looking through and like learning about payment and what he is, like the, the, looking through the books, like that, that is his imagery. It's like a bird head on a human mm-hmm. body. And that's so why the bird flies like, into the window and that's why. Right, because... Uh, Peter bangs his head on the desk. Well, he was possessed, uh, right? I thought, or I noticed, that once he had to have his nose bound, it looked like a beak. <gasps> oh, my... Oh, yeah. Fucking A. Fucking, I did not notice that until this moment. Yeah, same. And it was the actual... I forget her name. He plays Annie, who says that the director was so precise, like he was so organized about every single little detail that I, yeah. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had a full shot list way, way earlier in the process than is generally reasonable. That's crazy cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we talk about? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Rachel. Real quick about uh, Charlie being possessed the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a little hesitant to say. But when I first saw her, I was like, damn, that's a child. She looked 80. Yeah. And so, like, to me, I think that, like, made it, like, even more perfect. Because there's, like, this whole thing about, like, with, like, life and death. And here's this child, but she looks 80. She looks much older than a child. Yes. Everyone in the cast, like, everyone in the nuclear family knew each other before, except Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf works together on uh, a show uh, in Treatment, where they played father and son. Yep. <laughs> and then Millie Shapiro and Alex Wolf went to school together. They went to high school together. There, there's like a performing arts school that they've they've they went, attended at the same time. So they all knew each other. Like they all had pre-existing relationships, except for Tony Collette, which. Um, 
they said worked well for the dynamic that they're trying to build there where where Annie feels othered from her family. She's not as normal as Peter and Steve. Um, but she's not as, you know, demon filled as Charlie. Yeah, and he would even have them go to like a diner, like go have like a mm-hmm. meal, go go out and like be in your characters. Like with this right. dynamic. So- the kids went out to, to a diner. Um, they also went shopping for a hoodie for Charlie in character. And so uh, Alex Wolf had to figure out what, you know, as, as Peter, had to figure out what hoodie Charlie wanted because she wouldn't talk. Mm. I, another th- freaky thing that Charlie does, and Charlie is very unsettling as a character to oh, me. Yeah. Um, she... As soon as her grandmother dies, um, her mom comes to, like, tuck her in. And she goes, who's going to take care of me now that she's dead? She goes, are you serious? I'm going to take care of you. And she's like, no, I mean when you die. And it's like, damn, Charlie. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? I'm going to, what are you talking? It freaked me out because it was like, the little girl was freaky the whole time. Yeah. And the miniatures were freaky. And it was like, first I thought it was going to be a ghost story. And then I thought Charlie was going to be the bad guy. And then, my God, we haven't even talked about this. But the choking scene is, I could not watch that when she's like struggling in the back seat. Yeah. Like, I saw it in the theater and I couldn't watch it in the theater. Like, I looked away involuntarily. And this, this last time I was watching it at my house and I looked away again like not intentionally I was like watch it you have to see what happens and I couldn't I couldn't look at it I have no idea if it's actually on screen or not but it was because that that is real you like I mean I think the demons thing is real too but that is a very a very thing a thing that can very easily happen it was really went off on one of my infamous peanut butter rants uh, yesterday or day before. And I was like, babies can choke to death on this. Their weak little bodies can't chew. Like, we eat a terrifying food that can murder, like, you can suffocate on this food. Why Why are we eating that? Why are we eating that? And the person I was speaking to was just like, I, I'm, I don't, there's, there is nothing I can say to this that has, that gets the result I want. <laughs> So, but no, you're right. Every time I eat like a peanut butter sandwich, else. it like gets stuck in my esophagus, and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, like you're right. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. So I just jelly you know, leaves it up. You gotta have the jelly. <laughs> That's possibly the worst way I've ever thought about a sandwich in my life. I didn't know there was a way to think about sandwiches that was like absolutely bad and wrong. Just like categorically. Oh, I can make anything absolutely bad and wrong. I can too. I thought just sometimes someone catches me <laughs> off guard and it's it's too much. It's too bad and wrong. I have another thing to say about one of the characters. Like I know we talked about them individually at length, but sure. just real quick, as a teacher, it's sort of like the scene in It Follows when Peter is in the classroom and they're talking about Oedipus. And yes. the question is, does his lack of choice make it more or less tragic? You should have been paying attention yes. in class, Peter. You could have avoided this whole situation. Should have been trying to smoke weed, you little miscreant. Every time. You shouldn't have been staring at that girl's ass. 
You should have been listening about Oedipus. Every Focus time he's education. in that high school classroom, they're talking about something that's literally going on with him right now. Yeah. Like, it's like... That's what? convenient. It it predicts, like, yeah. what's happening. I just feel like if she can yeah. concentrate and participate in class when her ass is hanging out, then you can concentrate and participate in class without looking at it. I don't know, but he's just, like, he's just a normal 17-year-old boy who's not you know, like, possess, like, you know, his sister. He's just smoking <laughs> weed and, you know, even at home it shows, like, he's looking at, like, job opportunities, but that is, like, like, over, like uh, um, on his screen, like, there's bigger screens of, like, the girl, like, her social media that's, like, shadowing his job prospects. He's just, like, right. a normal 17-year-old kid and I think that's just like this idea of like this this tragic hero that once it's all set in motion, he's just a cog in the wheel. And my heart fucking bleeds mm. for Peter. Until Great the performance. End. Great. Well, yeah. Well, then that's not Peter anymore. That's fuck. Stop it. <laughs> I will never. You know, I spent the whole movie trying to make sure I can make the noise. And you know the the actress and the director they got together, and they spent hours trying to perfect like the click. They went over all these different kinds of clicks until they found it the can't right be that one. Click. It can't be the real poppy, like roof of the mouth click. That one's too much. It's 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 not my tongue hitting the roof like so. The real poppy the that's my tongue suctioning to the roof of my mouth and then popping off. The the right one is the. If that's actually like flipping against uh, my lower alveolar ridge. Hey guys, fun talk. That that's it's actually funny because there's actually like a one of the African like tribal languages that's based mostly in clicks. Mm-hmm. Zulu, okay. Zulu. I can't. I can't. Well, I can't say it correctly. Kosa has clicks as well. Yes. It doesn't. I don't know if that's the primary sound, but it is one of the most one of the like. Um, predominant sounds yeah when you first hear that that click or cluck after mm-hmm. you know like posthumously oh the terror yeah oh my gosh i jumped for real in the theater i didn't jump but my blood Yikes. went cold dude what other elements of the sound were you wanting to the talk music, about? The music, the sound, like between the cl- the clucks and the fact that the sound is really directional. Even I don't have a great setup at this exact moment. Once my own um, furniture is in this room and I have my, my own TV back, it'll be a little better. But at the moment, even with a pretty crappy TV, as long as I had it turned way up, the sound is really directional. So the clucks are not just noise. They're coming from a spa- like a certain direction. Yeah, like they're left or right. Yeah, Mike. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can be aware of where they should be. I think it would be a great movie to watch on headphones, as long as you are watching on a screen. That was also really good. The scoring, there's music throughout almost the entire movie. Um, it's just really carefully done. I never felt overblown. And then, of course, the very final moment, the final song. The the, the person I was texting during the movie spoke to them immediately after and I was like how the fuck are they gonna do that to my Joni <sighs> what uh, no don't drag her into this she did nothing to you um 
But I do think it speaks to this idea that in the exact moment that he is no longer capable of doing anything about it or fully like that moment of appreciation is also the moment of transformation. And the moment Peter realizes, dear God, like she didn't even know this, what exactly this was. And my mother still spent a lifetime trying to keep it from me, trying to keep me safe from it is the exact moment that he is now payment and can no longer care about that. So that's the both sides. The, the uh, previous disrespectful kiddo. And now the demon-possessed but deeply appreciative birdhead creep. Can we talk about the concept of, or like the convention of the miniatures? Please, God. Yeah, we have to. Because I think, I think by nature they're scary. Yeah, dollhouses um, are scary. Like dollhouses Shit. are creepy. And then we start with a the very opening shot is of the treehouse. But which is also we, a miniature house of sorts. Yeah, and then we pan into her workshop, and we zoom into Peter's room, and then it, oh, like the miniature of his room, and then it is his room, and Steve comes in and says, okay, get up, it's time for the funeral. And I really felt like that was underutilized for storytelling. Like, it definitely does do some exposition, like, because Annie that's sort of part of how she processes mm-hmm. her both deaths and the fact that her mom wanted to nurse her kid, which we see when she like turns it around. Cause it's freaking her out. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was like a control thing, like where she made miniatures so that she felt in control of what was happening to her. Cause I know that's how a lot of art works, um, processing wise, like not a finished product wise, but it's um, also how cults work. a lot of stuff. Explain. Cults? Yeah. That's like, like, how do you explain mean? Explain cults. Well, it's all about control. Because, like, just, it's like, how are you going to get this whole congregation to act and do the things that you want oh, them to do? You take cool. you take away, like, I certain rights. and. you meant that cults were all tiny. That like- <laughs> no! But, <laughs> like... The thing I should be most scared of in this circumstance is a polypod. Polypocket. Polypocket. I used to have. I mean, I still have a cousin, but when she was little, when my cousin was little, she used to love anything tiny, and she had a really deep voice, and it was oh, super country, and it was really like a little bit thug too, like. Or she'd be like, love my Polly Pocket and my grandma's. I gotta go get it. She might get it. Like, it was so weird. And now her little girl sounds just like her. My stepmom asked her the other day. She was like, which kind of chips do you want? And she was in a bad mood. And the little girl goes, both of them. Like, it's just like really country and really thug also. And it was, it is just such a delight. To be around That's her. Amazing. I'm my mama's big girl. Like, she's so <laughs> funny. Anyway, miniatures are creepy. My cousin Caitlin used to love them. She had just, she had just like a pocket full, not like the compact, because you know Polly Pocket came in a compact. She just had like the smallest pieces of the Polly Pocket in her pocket. Just like, the, like little bits Polly of like- Pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like the chairs from the little, like, Polly Pocket house thing. Yeah, or, like, just the shoes. <laughs> Polly wasn't in there, but, like, just the shoes. Holy fuck, what happened to Polly, girl? 
<laughs> What's a big stupid power? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, what if she had a little miniature treehouse full of severed head poly pockets? But I kind of, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I kind of wonder, though, if that's what the miniatures are supposed to symbolize, is, like, they're all being controlled by something else. Yeah. That's, like, what I was okay. thinking this entire time. Like, because uh, she paints them. She 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 orchestrates how the room's going to look, how wh- what miniature person in a room's going to stand or what. And so when we, the first scene is, this is all taking place within a miniature. Like, this is all being orchestrated. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of takes it back to the to Ellen, who is the matriarch who started all of this and you know, with the possession. And But I feel like the miniatures are so creepy because they're like dolls. They're, they're an imitation of life without being life itself. So it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying, and especially to see some of the stuff that she's making. So this movie has a lot of fascination with both life and death, clearly. Um, So in the very beginning, Charlie, she has certain vulnerabilities her parents are very hyper aware of, like uh, her peanut allergy. Oh, make sure when she had like a snack at the fucking funeral, they're like, oh, make sure there's no peanuts in it. And when she sleeping in a treehouse and her dad got so mad at her that's how you get pneumonia so obviously they're normal parents who care about preserving the life of their daughter um but at the same time you see like um uh annie when she's doing her working on for the the gallery she's like yeah i'm doing both the preschool and the hospice so you get like this really interesting balance of like life and death and then again Charlie looks like she's on the verge of death since scene one. Yeah. That's yeah. It's gotta be rough on a body. Like sometimes I'm like, what am I doing to my liver? What am I doing to my skin? What am I doing to every part of me? And then it's like, well, I'm not hosting a bird head demon. But also with the miniatures that I really found fascinating is that every time she has like a house or a room, there's like a light on. And so every time they enter for in the foyer, there's that one that's on display and it always has its lights on. And I really noticed that every time they walked into the house, they didn't walk into the house, into a dark house and turn on the lights. The lights were already on. And there was a couple of times when um, near in the second half of the film where after like a weird event happens, um, there's the outside shot of the house and it's black for a split second not even a full second and then it just is light it doesn't go from dawn to dusk it doesn't like just the sun rising it's just like a switch like the light and so it keeps me going back to the very beginning as if they're still like in a dollhouse and it's a switch and it's not Hmm. a natural progression of light it's that's really interesting. They just turn on the light. If you watch it again, there's a couple of times where it shows it's black and then all of a sudden it's like a like a light switch. Yeah, that's creepy and cool and I didn't notice it until you said it. So it's like the whole time, this whole life that they're having that we're watching, it's like Yeah. They're just in this maybe dollhouse. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm kind of afraid to go to bed right now because um, I'm having an ex- existential crisis, but don't worry about it. It's a good thing it's only 8.20, <laughs> so you don't have yeah. to yet. You have time to go, like, watch The Office and turn your brain off and exactly get exactly. your mind on something else. Yeah, but when we were talking about is this movie scary or not, can I just say real quick that I watch a lot of horror. Like, that's my main genre, and I that's all I do. Sure. Except I haven't watched Rosemary's yeah. Baby. I'll get to it. But I watch a lot of fucked up shit. And the second time I watched this movie recently – I woke up in the middle of the night because my cat, you know, if you have a cat, you know. Um, and when I got back into bed, that moment where Annie thinks that she sees her mom, Ellen, in the workroom. But the way that they do it, like in most movies, they make it pretty obvious that you see who it is. But the way that he works with mm-hmm. such subtleties, that's like you don't know, like – is it i don't know but you can see her fucking creepy smile more than her like body oh i had to turn on a light that night i was like "Mm, i don't feel right yeah Yeah. gotta turn on a light well it's been real upsetting Um, do we, do we have any thoughts on a closer or do we just kind of need to pull the escape hatch and go start watching the office everybody? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Oh my okay. God. Okay, quick. Recast this family as members of the office cast. As what? Recast this family as the office. Okay. I think. Um, Steve is David Wallace. Actually, no, he's yes. early David Wallace. Yeah. Um, Charlie <laughs> is Creed. <laughs> oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> and um peter is andy <laughs> oh joan is phyllis yeah uh, she's not in the family but might as well be. we didn't naked. do annie um no i think joan is um oh what's her name the blonde what's her name angela, angela? no joan is angela because she's fucking manipulative she's crafty okay uh, She's crap. I think Phyllis is too, honestly, but I, 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 I'll roll with either. I think Annie is Daryl. I think Annie is Jan Levinson. Oh she yeah, is that'll work Jan too. Jan Levinson, yes. Who they both have She's the one you're pulling for, and then she goes off the fucking rails. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, well done, everyone. Now everyone feels yes. great. No one's thought about decapitation in several. Oh, oh man. <laughs> right. Um, so, should we talk about what we have up next? Tell Please, us. I would Tell love to hear all. it. Okay. So, up next on our next episode in two weeks, we have the spooky alien movie Under the Skin. Directed by Jonathan Glazer and starring basically the only person who could infinitely, who could be infinitely creepy and still lure dudes into her stalker van, Scarlett Johansson. Um, we're going to have our friend and comedian Sam Severin on that episode. Oh, as our shut up. Are you serious? Y- yeah. Oh, I'm so. Rachel s- and Sam know each other, by oh, the way. Oh, <laughs> so no. She's. Aww. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be dope. Um, yeah. This one was really fun, too. Um, so if you want to watch Under the Skin, that's on Netflix. 
And Rachel, where can they find you? Uh, just you don't want to give them that. You're, you, I'm doing them a favor. <laughs> but if you, because it's just all weird shit. But if you want to, if you want to follow me on any kind of social media, it's at Ray Ray Jetplane. That's R E I R E I Jetplane. But you probably don't want to believe me. It's, it's, you do. I mean, it's good. It's weird. It's just, it's just a bunch of weird shit, y'all. <laughs> they listened to this. I yeah, they're listening to sure this. They're going to love your social media. It's good. It's but like, wanna, so it's like Death, who's like a stripper on like a stripper pole. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. I just want to, before we go, I just want to issue a quick um, clarification. Earlier, we were talking about Jiggly Ghost. We are aware of Jigglypuff, and to be fair, we should have just made the joke that I was Jigglypuff. <laughs> and secondly, Jigglypuff is to Jiggly Ghost as Clefairy is to Clipfairy. I just needed to make uh-huh. sure we were all clear about all of our fake Pokemon. And Tell all never... your friends about our podcast. <laughs> Go catch a Clipfairy. Clipfairy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys are great. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on and thank, thank you for you listening for having to me. all your friends. <laughs> bye. Love you, bye. Bye. <laughs>